0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education, from unshot.net. Episode 54, Provide a Principal Step-Down Facility. You might not know that if a principal relinquishes his or her position they're relegated to becoming the most junior member of staff in a school. Now, this is different to every other postholder in any primary school. For example, if a deputy principal steps down from his or her post, they simply lose their allowance, but not their seniority. And while it's a huge decision for anyone to step down from any position, The double humiliation of then losing all of your seniority must be a massive deterrent for anyone, and it would seem very, very unfair. Crueler people than me might suggest that if there wasn't a deterrent, then principals would be be resigning left, right and centre, and that isn't good for the education system, so maybe some sort of deterrent is needed. However, in this episode, I'll be trying to explore the role of the principal, and why, when someone simply can't do it anymore, that if I were the Minister for Education, I would provide them with a dignified step-down facility. Hello, hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis. Uh, Before I begin, I just want to apologise for the possible uh, poor sound quality. I'm recording this uh, in a busy area, uh, so uh, hopefully the background sounds of cars uh, don't distract you too much. Um, But anyway, on to our episode. I suppose the first question I'd want to ask anyone, uh, and I am one myself, is why would anyone decide to become a school principal? It's a question I hear most from people and it's mostly from other school principals rather than teachers. And I'm fascinated by why a teacher decides that becoming a school principal is a job for them. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't have any ambitions to become a principal. I sound like the Lumberjack song on Monty Python. I never want to be a principal, Uh, but I'll I'll be completely honest as to why I applied for the job. I'd spent uh, three years campaigning for an Educate Together school uh, to open in my town where I was living, uh, as myself and my wife Roz were hoping to start a family and there was basically no school in Carlow Town that we felt comfortable sending our theoretical heathen child, let's say, <laughs> uh, because all of the other schools in Carlow were controlled and still are controlled by either the Catholic Church or the Church of Ireland and that just does not um, at all work within our belief Um, or our beliefs, um, or lack of them, as it were. And as teachers, we knew that if we sent our child to one of these schools, and despite the uh, law which allows us to opt him out of discrete religious indoctrination classes, or religious education, as uh, the church liked to call it, um, that opting out of religious um, practices is an absolute myth. And we would basically have to spend all of our time trying to explain to him why he had to sit at the back of the class, Uh, while his peers were learning all about this super cool guy called Jesus. Um, And it's bad enough that uh, all those Alive-O songs remain earworms. Almost 20 years after I last taught in a Catholic school, I didn't need a whole new religious series of songs being sung by my five-year-old. So my first three years of teaching um, were spent in a Catholic school. And I've spoken on this podcast before about that and why I left a very, very nice school to commute over two hours a day to an Educate Together school and the relief I had of not having to live a lie every single day of my working week. And in all fairness, if I was struggling to live this lie every single day of the week while I was in school, why would I put my own child through it if I couldn't? Anyway, as the campaign to open this Educate Together school became more real, the more and more I thought that it would be nice to work in it, you know, I, I kind of felt, gosh, I'd love to work in this school. And it, it had sort of become my baby in a way, in the absence of an actual baby. Uh, but I still had no intention of being the principal of the school. But when the job came up, my exact thought, and this is what, this is the reason I applied for it. And I, I don't know if I'm ashamed of this or not, uh, but my exact thought was, what if that principal, what if the principal that will get this job didn't hire me? And I know that's probably not a cool thing to admit, but that was my genuine thought. And so attached had I become to the idea of working in this school, I applied for the job. And as you know, or you should know by now, I got it. And despite my very poor reason for going for the job in the first place, I've actually found that I liked it. I really liked it. And I really enjoy being uh, the principal of my babies, uh, I suppose. My school. Um, uh, I mean, it's not even my school. It's our school. I, 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 but I mean, at the same time, I, I actually really enjoy it and I still really like the job. Now, to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't apply for the job now because of how the system has completely dismantled everything that was once good about the job. But because I'm not learning all of that for the first time, and because I remember a time when it was okay to speak your mind as a principal, I guess why I'm still, I guess that's probably why I'm still enjoying it. You know, I, I I'm I think I'm in the fortunate position that I've been in the job for quite some time and uh, I'm able to speak my mind. Um, and um, you know, But I, I just know that that's not particularly possible uh, for people new in the job who might be struggling. And yes, it's an entirely frustrating experience at times. And yes, the system is it's just shocking. Uh, 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 I mean, absolutely shocking at times. And yes, the amount of pointless paperwork and box ticking is absolutely mind-numbing. But what I do love about my job is that I've been building a community from zero, from absolutely nothing. And I've been so fortunate to find people that I really like working with And we're able to try out different things and play with different ideas and really get along while we do it. Um, It's just a nice place to work. But the thing is, I know I'm really lucky. And going back to the reasons why people decide to become principals, I always like to ask people, what possessed them to take the job. Um, and I, I do this when I go to conferences around and I meet, you know, particularly uh, one of my favorite conferences, um, which, I, which hasn't happened for the last couple of years because of COVID-19, has been the IPPN conference. And, uh, I generally, uh, when I'm walking around, um, I meet different principals and a lot of them are just new to the job. Uh, you can tell the ones that are new to the job because they're the ones that are, you know, they're, they're rushing around the place because, uh, they need to find, they have loads of jobs to do and they need to get around the expo to find the particular jobs they have to do. And they, and they look constantly on alert. And if, if they do stop and I get to chat to them, um, I, I always ask them, um, you know what possessed you to take the job and it's really interesting to hear the answers and most people i ask they actually they think about it. they have to think about it and except for probably about two people i think in my whole time that i've asked that question no one else gave me an answer that they actually really wanted to become the principal and do you know what the most common answer was it's for either one of two reasons the first reason was that their principal the previous principal, retired. Now, they were in the school and they retired. And the expectation was that the deputy principal would take on the job, and that might have been them. Um, And sometimes, obviously, the deputy principal doesn't want the job. So... You know, so basically, the expectation is the DP takes it, but if they don't, so remember that For me, anyway, I mean, I always say this to people, particularly if they're the deputy principal who stepped up to the job. I would say, gosh, remember the best job in any school is a walking deputy principal. So if you're a walking deputy principal, listen to this, just stay there. Now, I mean, anyone, uh, if anyone who's moved from being a walking deputy principal to a principal needs their head examined. But anyway, maybe the deputy principal doesn't want the job for whatever reason. And actually, in fairness, 99% of uh, deputy principals aren't walking deputy principals. But the fear comes that if it goes to an outsider, they're going to change everything. And as we all know, changing everything, as we all know as teachers, change is the worst thing that any principal can do. I'm only joking, obviously, kind of. Um, But basically, The fear of the devil, you don't know. The deputy principal often will reluctantly, in inverted commas, goes for the job and will usually get it. Now, the second reason when the DP doesn't go for the job is that everyone says Mary would make a lovely principal because she's friends with everyone and she'll never change anything and everything will be the same. So Mary will give in to the peer pressure and she'll get the job And then the staff will all turn on her (laughs) because she'll suggest they might consider spending less than an hour in the staff room for a break or something. Uh, You know, God, Jesus, John didn't mind us being in the staff room for a couple of minutes longer. Oh, she's changed since she got into power that Mary and so on. There are other reasons I've heard, uh, like the teaching principal that goes for an admin principal post or the whiff of a chance of an admin post because the teaching principal is just an exercise in punishing oneself, of course. Uh, And I know a couple of teaching principals that moved to bigger schools for that reason and within a year of their successor, they became admin. And then there's the teachers that go off on secondment for 20 years and they find it hard to go back to the classroom. Now... Um, you know, there, there are other reasons In fairness, there isn't just two reasons there, there, are, there are reasons, like While a teaching principal wants to be an admin principal Or someone who's been out of school, I suppose For 20 years on second They generally come back to want to be a principal And I usually find uh, myself fighting with people who do that Because they tend to defend dritted um, Which is interesting Anyway, I, I, I really haven't heard of that many people that actually wanted the job because they wanted to be a principal. When they were a child, they had posters up on their walls of principals in their area going, one day, I will be like that. But um, these days, um, as well, no, look, in fairness, most, a lot of people, and it's very, it's not uncommon to hear uh, it's, in fact, it's very, very uncommon to hear of people who actually wanted the job specifically and didn't just reluctantly go for it. And these days, it isn't uncommon for a job to be advertised a few times. Being a principal, whatever the reasons are for taking the job, is really, really hard. It's a really hard job. And straight off the bat, you are moving to a job with a minimum expectation of working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And there is absolutely no contract, there are absolutely no set hours, and you are expected to be available anytime, every day. And, 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 and that is the way it is. Uh, and, like, for example, during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, which uh, I'm recording at, uh, at the moment in, in the middle of, there were two occasions when the Department of Education realised they'd messed up on hand sanitizer. This is just a very small example because uh, I, I feel it's important to give an example of what I mean by that. Okay, one of the brands they were using contained a chemical that was poisonous. Methanol, um, rather than ethanol. Um, and when did principals hear about this? Well, they were told principals at 10.30, the night before, um, they, they, the school was to start and despite that almost every single principal in the country managed to check their school email for um, uh, to, uh, or found it on twitter or whatever it was uh, when the announcement was made um, and also managed to get to their school somehow for that guilty product and replace it before the children came back to the building 10 hours later most principals did that now i probably need to move on to the point of this episode but before i do I think it's really important to go through what principals feel about their job. Because back in the hazy days of 2018, a wonderful group of principals, of which I'm proud to have joined at that time, released a survey to all principals, a third of them, uh, a third of which responded. So over a thousand principals responded. to this. It was on the issue of workload. And I want to read out some of their findings. I think it's um, really important to note that these were the answers from over 1,100 working principals. And these facts were shared with the INTO and with the IPPN. And, well, I mean, I'll tell you the outcome of that in a while. There were so many worrying stats, which you can find on the National Principal Forum's website, which is principal forum, principalsforum.org. And here are some of the highlights, or maybe more accurately, lowlights um, of the study. And here they are. Two-thirds of principals reported that their job was unsustainable. That's two out of three principals feel that. Whether it's true or not, by the way, before I carry on, it doesn't really matter. This is principals who are saying this loud and clear. They, you know, and it's not like, I mean, some people will say, ah, sure, they're just whinging or whatever. But the fact is, this is principals reporting themselves of how they felt about their jobs. of them, so that's almost all of them, said that a lack of HR is an unsustainable challenge, especially in this, uh, especially these days. Seven out of 10 said their mental health was affected by their job. Seven out of 10. That's a huge number. And most importantly, for the purpose of this episode, 68% have considered stepping down from their role. That's nearly seven out of 10. So almost 7 out of 10 principals stated that they have considered stepping down from their role. Now, I promised I'd tell you what the IPPN and INTO did after sitting in the audience for this presentation. Um, Now, naturally, as you'd expect, they acknowledged the results and they said they would ensure to use the data to highlight the ridiculous levels of dissatisfaction that principals were experiencing on the ground and that they would fight harder for better conditions. You would expect that that would be what would happen because we all sat together in a hotel and these statistics were read out to those representatives. Well, no. What they did was they stonewalled the group who basically provided those statistics. The INTO went even further and instructed all branch secretaries to tell their members not to engage with the National Principles Forum because they considered them injurious to the INTO. Both organisations have refused to acknowledge any of the research data the National Principles Forum have correlated from practising school leaders. If you are a school leader, that's you. And when I've put this, I, I've put it up to them because I've, I've been involved, obviously, in, in, in both groups. When I've put it up to them, they try to state that they try to, to state the data isn't reliable. And that the results couldn't be correlated properly because it takes it takes particular lines of questioning and yada 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 yada. Now they they, they I let them explain away. You know how they about the statistics and how researchers have to ask specific types of questions because statistically it's very important. And you know it's better that the that it goes to people who are you know do this sort of stuff. So I like them to go on about that, um, because. Uh, after after they've gone on about it, I always like to tell them that I've actually a minor degree in statistics um, after they try and nonsense talk their uh, way out of it, to which the response is uh, generally, um, oh, um. and then they change the subject to the weather, or they walk off, or in the case of the INTO, make some sort of snarky remark about attending meetings. Now, to be honest, I'm probably being a bit unfair on the IPPN, because, to be fair to them, they do have a position on dignified step-down facility for principals. The only thing is, I don't uh, think the IPPN push hard enough on anything these days because they're too afraid of upsetting the INTO. Now, I, I, I really miss the days when they were fighting with each other. I, I don't know if you remember this uh, if you're not in the job that long. The INTO and the IPPN used to hate each other, um, uh, or more so, the IT, INTO hated the IPPN. Uh, but they do have uh, the INTO. Sorry, the IPPN do have a paper. On principal step down, dignified uh, step down. It's a good paper, and it's very easy to find. It's a two thousand and fifteen paper, and they. Um, I mean, it's and it's short enough. Actually, it's very very short, and uh, they reveal the following: almost one in four teaching principals would urgently consider stepping back from their leadership role and returning to full time teaching, and approximately one in eight administrative principals would do likewise if the opportunity arose. Now, this was a differently worded question to the. Um, national principles forum one when they asked have you considered stepping down from the role this asked you would you actually step down from the role and in some ways that's an even more serious question and in some ways it would be interesting if we asked that question now because this was in 2015 uh, six years uh, before I, I recorded this episode but at that point point, 25 percent of principals said they would actually step down if they could and one in eight so 12 and a half percent admin principals would actually do that 67, or sorry, was 67 or 68%, I can't remember the exact figure, of, uh, of principals would consider it. So these are high numbers. So they list some recommendations, uh, the IPPN, which are very, very good and very, very practical. And in fairness to them, I think it's very important that you give credit to the IPPN for, uh, for this, for this um, particular research. And uh, hopefully, you know, when they sort themselves out, they might actually push this a little bit further. So they've uh, come up with some recommendations and I'm not sure if I agree with them all but I certainly will read them all to you. They, they recommend fixed term contracts for a defined period and they've gone for about seven years possibly, should be introduced with a clause for review at the end of that period and with the possibility for a principal to step down and continue in the teaching profession without any loss of seniority and pension as is the case for deputy principals. Number two, If there's no vacancy in his current school at the time of stepping down, the principal should be placed on the redeployment panel. Okay, that makes sense. It would be appropriate for the Department of Education to recognise a former principal's service in the role by allowing him or her to retain a portion of their allowance um, with the number of years service as a school leader. And finally... IPPN further suggests it would be appropriate for the Department of Education to recognise a former principal's years of service as a school leader in calculating that principal's pension entitlement, um, again with the number of years uh, of service as a school leader. Look, to be honest, the first two points are the most important because they make absolute sense and they're not really particularly uh, controversial. Um, and they don't involve money I suppose and in many countries a principal position is a fixed term position that has to be changed every number of years now if I remember correctly in Bulgaria and I could be wrong here um, I'm just going on my memory uh, there's a a rotating principal every few years and all members of staff are are expected to take on the role at some point now I'm not sure about this model because while 25% of principals said they'd stepped down from the role 75% didn't that's a lot more people that didn't and if somebody is built Building up a vision for the school, kicking them out after an arbitrary amount of time doesn't really make sense either. However, if a principal does want to step down for any reason, the facility should be there to allow this to happen without the need for a further kick in the teeth of being humiliated in terms of position. It's hard enough to step away from the role after building up the courage to take on the position without being punished if it simply doesn't work out. The political world has acknowledged this actually to be fair as well. For example, uh, the TD uh, Jim Daly, uh, who to be fair was a primary school principal, said the inability of a teacher to step down from school leadership role uh, should be tackled, according to an article in the Irish uh, Examiner uh, that I found. However, it's never been taken on by the Department of Education and it doesn't look like there's any moves for it to happen, especially as the INTO do not have it anywhere on their agenda. And as much as I'd like to believe the IPPN have any influence anymore, the reality is they simply don't. And thats I don't know if that's through any fault of their own, um, but they just don't have any influence in this area. They can make all the recommendations they want, but they really are a big player in the, uh, in the education landscape. Um, although having said that, rather than getting a step-down facility, the government did give them a million euro for a mentoring programme for school leaders, which is called the CSL. I'm not sure if these two things are linked But I reckon apart from the timing, I don't think there's any correlation uh, between CSL as being established and uh, the idea of a step-down facility uh, being given uh, to principals state i mean i think rather than uh, i mean i think you could maybe try and say well the government don't want the step down to happen but what we will do is we'll give them mentoring to ensure that they get better at their job let's say i don't know but becoming a principal can turn out to be a decision one might regret um and i've said this um because n- and nothing because nothing really can prepare you to be a principal from being a teacher it's a totally different position and everything about the job apart from the fact you're dealing in education in some ways is absolutely different from the way you think, from the way you, uh, from the way you manage, um, and that, that's managing everything from um, from people to your to paperwork to to everything really. I suppose, um, and the idealist in many people believes the ad, you know, about being a principal because uh, you know when the job is there, people who are idealistic like me um, and like quite a lot of people, you know, they believe that you will become a leader of learning. You know, and this is what, what the, the ad will say uh, when you're going to these courses about on leadership in education. And sometimes it's true. You know, I'm not going to deny that. However, the vast majority of the time, you end up being the leader of filling in countless forms and being told that you're doing nothing about anything. Um, and it makes sense to find some um, dignified way for a principal to step back from that position when or if that happens. Because sometimes... And it depends on the school culture. It depends on the school community. You go into a job, and you all of a sudden realize actually you don't you don't have any influence whatsoever, and you're not going to have any influence. Um, and it's very very difficult to make changes in education because you don't have the tools. Uh, that most organisations have to enable you to make those changes. It's you know people argue with me uh, uh, about this, um, especially people in educational leadership positions who go around giving talks about educational leadership. And um, they're usually um, they're usually in places where they do have tools and facilities to encourage uh, um, their staff uh, to to to, um, to 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 kind of uh, take part in whatever vision the, the principal might have. But it's much more difficult in Ireland where the job of the principal is called the preve idja, the first teacher, uh, rather than the, the school leader in a way. And you become kind of like the the, the first of equals, which is very good and I've, I've no problem with that. But when you do need to make changes, and remember change is the worst thing you can possibly do to a school, that can be very, very difficult. So... I think there has to be a dignified way for a principal to step back from the position and not be punished for doing so. Perhaps they might go back to the position they had before taking on the position, or maybe to the first non-post-holding position. I'm not sure what would be fair um, in this case, because again, we have to think of the people that are affected by a principal stepping down in this dignified way. If if the principal ends up not being the most junior teacher, somebody else uh, has to be the most junior teacher, and that's someone else's job. But it's certainly worth exploring. However, there is probably merit in review after a certain amount of time where the principal is given an option to stay for a certain amount of time. And this gives certainty for a school for a fixed amount of time. So, you know, I don't know what, how long that should be, but I mean, I think it's important that you don't have a principal rotating every year or every two years when the job gets too tough. Or when the principal kind of thinks, oh gosh, I can't take this anymore after a tough year or whatever it might be. And and that there will be a certain maximum amount of time, maybe sometime between five and 10 years, I would say appears to be fair. I also think there needs to be a get out clause in the first year um, as well. I think if you take on the job in your first year and you just realise straight away, oh my gosh, I'm after making a terrible mistake. I think they need there needs to be a get out clause for there. I think that's fair. And really, when you come to think of it, I mean, apart from all that kind of stuff, why would anyone want to work for any school leader who didn't want to be in the job? It's like um, those footballers, you know, that, that are looking for a transfer out of the club. They might be your best player. But if they don't want to play for you, why would you want them on your team? And this was, uh, I think, Alex Ferguson's kind of thing. And he got rid of a number of players Um, when they when they started to... When he felt they weren't giving it all uh, to Manchester United kind of thing. He got rid of them. They were some of the, uh, you know, you'll know the names. I mean, I'm not going to name them because um, I, I don't know the actual ins and outs of why they left the club, but I'm pretty sure it was because they became, they, they felt they were bigger than the club kind of thing and Alex Warren got rid of them kind of thing. But in schools, we're not able to get rid of, you know, in, uh, I mean, the idea, I'm not saying this because we should be getting rid of people if, they're, if, they, if they don't like where they are, but why would you want, I mean, the theory is really, why would you want to work with uh, somebody who doesn't want to be in their job? And really, even that, I think that's reason enough to consider allowing this dignified step-down for principals. So, I mean, they're my thoughts on it, really. I'm not sure what you think yourself. I I, I, I think this possibly one my least controversial episodes um, because I think it's a no-brainer. We do need a dignified uh, step-down for principals um, if they really don't want to be in the job or they feel they can't be in the job. Uh, why put them in such a hardship position or punish them for that fact? Uh, So if I were the Minister for Education, I would definitely introduce a step-down facility for principals. So that's it for me for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and be sure to tune in every Friday evening for our next episode of this podcast. Uh, the podcast, if you found it by accident, can be found on any podcasting app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other app you uh, like to use. Uh, all you need to find it is search for Unshot, and it should be uh, there uh, for you. Or if I were the Minister for Education, I'd really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast, uh, so you'll get the episodes a little bit earlier than most other people. Um, and uh, Usually that's on a Thursday. Um, Usually when I uh, uh, release these at 5.59 on a Friday evening, uh, some people like to listen to them on the weekend if they're going for a walk. Uh, So I'd really appreciate you uh, maybe adding any comments to our Facebook page or our Twitter feed and uh, tell me what you think of them look um if you do like this episode please feel free to review it so others can find it more easily i'm delighted to see uh the podcast has re-entered the top 10 in the uh, education irish education uh, podcasts um so uh, please uh, spread the word if you can Uh, it's lovely uh, and encouraging for me to keep doing these episodes so that's number 54 done thanks a million for listening and we'll catch you again soon all the best bye bye